Welcome to episode 169 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the Facebook whistleblower. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the Facebook whistleblower, ivermectin, tyranny, how to destroy America, the unvaccinated, or the COVID-19 vaccine comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Well, the cause celeb of the last week was a woman named Frances Hagen, a former Facebook product manager being widely hailed as a whistleblower for spending the better part of the last year feeding internal corporate documents to the Wall Street Journal relating to the various harms which Facebook and its other platforms like Instagram and WhatsApp are allegedly causing. The story was hard to miss as it was promoted like some of the world's biggest events. The coordination of the event was extraordinary, and the media swooning that followed was, shall we say, over the top. More on that in a minute. In case you missed it, here's a recap of Hagen's story. She argued that the social media giant hurts America and the world by permitting too many uncensored conversations among ordinary people. Things formerly known as opinions, you know, protected by free speech laws in the Constitution. But now, in the era of totalitarian National Democrats who refuse to tolerate dissent of any kind, these opinions by ordinary, everyday people are labeled misinformation. Facebook is guilty, according to Hagen, of permitting polarizing political content to spread. Apparently, Hagen is unfamiliar with CNN or MSNBC or the rest of the alphabet soup conspiracy media. Just Facebook is to blame. She points out that Instagram fosters body image neurosis in young girls. Apparently, Hagen is unfamiliar with fashion magazines, as well as the movie and music industries that glorify young and perfectly sculptured bodies on a regular basis. And, worse of all, as Glenn Greenwald, who wrote a great piece on this entire charade, put it, they, Facebook, fail, quote, to sufficiently censor political content that contradicts liberal orthodoxies and diverges from decreed liberal truth, end quote. Like most of the hoax stories and flat-out lies and faux outrages that the National Democrats and the alphabet soup conspiracy media come up with on a weekly basis, like Russia collusion or most recently border patrol on horses whipping migrants, this one requires us to ignore the facts and to refuse to put two and two together because if you did that, you would see this for what it is. One big fat con job. Let's start with the obvious, or at least what I think is obvious. So this woman gets a highly polished 60-minute segment that airs on a Sunday, and 48 hours later, she is testifying in front of a congressional committee. Wow. 
you would think we were dealing with some kind of national emergency here. Suffice it to say, I find those circumstances, shall we say, a bit shady, leading me to believe there's much more to the story. Then, we must ignore the woman's history, both at Facebook and as a political donor. She worked in Facebook's censorship group called the Civic Integrity Division. It just so happens that it's the group that shut down the New York Post reporting of Hunter Biden's laptop in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. They blocked the New York Post's account, as did Twitter. Remember, it was deemed by the powers-to-be to be Russia disinformation. That, of course, has been proven to be a lie, but big tech accomplished their goal of getting Biden across the finish line with a large portion of his voters unaware of his and his son's illegal activities. When you listen to Hagen's testimony, it is clear that she's pissed that her old censorship group has been disbanded. She demands more censorship. Do you still think there's nothing to see here? Here's another bit of information that made me a little more suspicious. FEC filings reveal Hagen is a 37-time donor to Democrat candidates and related political action committees for a total of $2,000. Now, granted, she ain't a high-dollar donor. If my math is right, that's an average of about $54 per donation. The point is, if she was a 37-time Republican donor, the media and the Democrats would have questioned her credibility and assassinated her character to such an extent that she would never work again. But we are led to believe that there's nothing to see here. If all of that isn't enough to raise some concern and cast the least bit of dispersion on Mrs. Hagen, check this out. She is represented by a public relations firm. The same one that none other than White House Press Secretary Circleback Jen Psaki used to work for. Oh, and you might be interested to know a little something about the PR firm. It's run by, drumroll please, former Obama administration communications guru Bill Burton. The company name is Bryson Gillette. Why, you may ask, why does a whistleblower need a PR firm? Well, if that question was rolling around in your brain, I would say you're catching on here. I think I have a pretty good idea why that is, but let's park that for uh, just the time being. We'll come back to it. A number of industry and political insiders have pointed out that when you listen to Hagen's public testimony, you see a sophisticated communications campaign intended to put Facebook on the defense. They point to the steady trickle of leaked internal documents that fueled the Wall Street Journal's investigative series dubbed The Facebook Files, which then led to the 60-minute interview, which then led quickly to the congressional testimony, miraculously scheduled 48 hours later. Oh, and Hagen debuted a slick personal website on the day of her 60-minute segment, in part to field media requests. But we are led to believe, despite all of these facts, that there's nothing to see here. So what is the truth about this Facebook whistleblower? The truth is the totalitarian National Democrats want to silence dissent, but even they know they cannot do it personally because of a little thing called the Constitution and the First Amendment. However, they can get the so-called private sector to do it. And since the online world is dominated by a handful of companies in the social media space, all they have to do is coerce, empower, threaten, bribe, encourage them to do their bidding. They want Facebook, YouTube, and Google to be the discourse police. 
This fake Facebook whistleblower and all the histrionics going on around her is simply a method to get that done. What makes things worse is a recent poll demonstrated that 75% of Democratic voters want big tech to restrict false information online. These are the same people who spent the last four years lying about President Trump and anyone who worked for him, yet they want false info restricted. So the totalitarians who currently run the federal government aren't going to get any blowback from their own voters, so why not go for it? They don't give a shit about the Constitution and constitutional rights anyways. Glenn Greenwald put it this way, quote, Whistleblower Frances Hagen is a vital media and political asset because she advances their quest for greater control over online political discourse. See, this is where the coercion comes in. See, according to Hagen, the problem is Facebook is not using their enormous powers to censor enough content that offends the sensibilities and beliefs of the National Democrats and their sycophantic supporters. Greenwald put it this way, quote, She is being used as a cudgel that Washington politicians and their media allies can use to beat Facebook into submission to their censorship demands, end quote. As further articulated by Greenwald, the real goal of the Democrats is not to weaken Facebook, but to capture its vast power for their own nefarious ends. Agitating for more online censorship has been a leading priority for the Democratic Party ever since they blame social media platforms, along with WikiLeaks, Russia, Jill Stein, James Comey, The New York Times, and Bernie Bros, for the 2016 defeat of the rightful heir to the White House throne, Hillary Clinton. And this craving for censorship has been elevated into even more urgent priority for their corporate media allies due to the same belief that Facebook helped elect Trump but also because free speech on social media prevents them from maintaining a stranglehold on the flow of information by allowing ordinary, uncredentialed serfs to challenge, question, and dispute their decrees or build a large audience that they cannot control. Destroying alternatives to their failing platforms is thus a means of self-preservation. Realizing that they cannot convince audiences to trust their work or pay attention to it, they seek instead to create captive audiences by destroying or at least controlling any competitors to their pieties. Democrats do not make any secret of their intent to co-opt Silicon Valley's power to police political discourse and silence their enemies. Congressional Democrats have summoned CEOs of Google, Facebook, and Twitter four times in the last year to demand they censor more political speech. At the last Congressional Inquisition in March, one Democrat after the next explicitly threatened the companies with legal and regulatory reprisals if they did not immediately start censoring more. Facebook is just censoring as they are told, in obedience to rules handed down from on high. It is the corporate press and the powerful Washington elites who are coercing Facebook and Google to censor in accordance with their wishes and ideology upon pain of punishment in the form of shame, stigma, and even official legal and regulatory retaliation. When you hear Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and other social media leaders agreeing with the call for more government regulations on their company, your spidey senses should be firing off like a typhoon siren because you need to understand that what they are doing is following the centuries-old tactic of using government regulation to kill their competitors. What happens to the cost of running a highly regulated business, i.e. compliance and legal costs? Well, they go up, of course. 
So the barriers to entry, the costs, are driven up, which discourages future startups from even entering the market to begin with. And the existing competitors, the smaller ones, just saw their profit margins shrink, making it less likely they will survive in the long run. But what does Facebook and YouTube or Google care about that? They can absorb the increased costs with no problem. Any attempt by Congress to impose greater content moderation obligations, which is exactly what they are threatening, and what this faux whistleblower is calling for, would destroy whatever possibility remains for competitors to arise, and would in particular destroy any platform seeking to protect free and fair discourse. That is the consequence, by design which is why you should be very wary of any attempt to pretend that Facebook and Google fear such legislative adjustments. It's a con job. The best example or analogy I can think of is the financial services industry. How many local banks spring up every year? Not many, if, if any, because the cost to comply with government regulations is prohibitive. Anyone on a startup budget is prohibited from entering that industry. But don't worry, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Bank of America, they all have no problem absorbing the cost to comply given their size. Or think about the argument for minimum wage. I covered this debate in detail in episode number four, but it's worth spending a few minutes here so you can see how sinister this public-private crony capitalism arrangement really is. First of all, federal minimum wage is unconstitutional. It's, it's not in the document, therefore, by definition, it's unconstitutional. But that argument is rarely made, as our idiot politicians haggle over what a living wage is and single mothers trying to raise a family on minimum wage. And then they squabble over how much it should be, $10 an hour or $15 an hour, or my suggestion is just make it 100 bucks an hour and all will be well with the world, right? Back to my point. Which businesses are always on the forefront of the minimum wage debate? The big box stores, of course. Walmart and Amazon in particular. They can afford to absorb those artificially high labor costs, just like Facebook and Google and the big banks can absorb the cost of compliance with government regulations, whereas the mom-and-pop stores cannot. It's just another way of using government to squash competition. I will conclude this episode with this excerpt from Greenwald's piece. The only thing more alarming than Facebook and Google controlling and policing our political discourse is allowing elites from one of the political parties in Washington and their corporate media outlets to assume the role of overseer, as they are absolutely committed to doing. Far from being some noble whistleblower, Francis Hagen is just the latest tool to exploit for their scheme to use the power of social media giants to control political discourse in accordance with their own views and interests. And that is the truth about the Facebook whistleblower. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.